Father in heaven, God, even now, Lord, as we begin to pull out our Bibles, there are copies of the scriptures. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. Oh, God, prepare us to hear this truth that we might live it out for your glory and the good of others. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You ever go into a restaurant and they got a sign on the door, no dogs allowed? You ever seen that? I mean, what does that mean? Can you bring a goat? Okay, that sounds absurd. I mean, they're obviously cleaning up the yard, but what about a fish, a bird? When we lived in Texas, Melanie and I got some birds, zebra finches, named Pete and Repeat. Easier to name them that way. What a, you know, clearly, they have some kind of issue that they want to protect their restaurant from, but do they just mean all animals? Don't bring any animals in here. Well, if so, why not just say that? You know, in the law, they call these things loopholes. But in the Bible, they're called gray areas. You see, the Bible doesn't tell you what kind of shoes you ought to wear, what kind of clothing, what color they ought to be. Gray areas. There is freedom in these gray areas to make choices. And those choices matter, my friends, because they impact other people. Gray areas, uh, biblically speaking, they're, it's a, a matter that is not clearly commanded or prohibited clearly in the scriptures. For example, is it okay to drink alcohol? The Bible never says you can't. It prohibits drunkenness. Gray areas. What about um, just one glass of wine? Is that okay? How about getting a tattoo? Can you get a tattoo? I mean, those are very popular today. Is it okay for Christians to search your Bible? See if you can find anything in the New Testament about no tattoos, especially on the arms or the legs or right behind your right ear. I mean, you, you know, just silence. Silence. Now, some of you, when I said that, you shirked a bit. And inside you had this conviction, I think they're wrong. And that is the freedom of a gray area. You get to have personal convictions about certain things where the scripture is silent. Now, where the scripture speaks, my friend, there is no wiggle room. What God says is the truth, and we ought not to depart from that truth. But what about those gray areas? St. Augustine put it this way, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, love. Boy, if you didn't write that down real quick and you wanted to, maybe you want to get a tattoo of it, huh? <laughs> How do you live in the gray areas where scripture is silent? What's the right thing to do? Do whatever you want? Boy, something doesn't sound right under the inspiration. Do whatever you want? <laughs> 
The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, provides for us here in Romans chapter 14, which I would commend you to turn there now, clear guidance when it comes to gray areas by giving us four diagnostic questions. You know what a diagnostic question is? Help us to find the answer. Four diagnostic questions that we ought to ask ourselves to determine our course of action when we are free to choose. By the way, we're talking about the word gray here. You know, sometimes it's spelled R-G-R-A-Y and G-R-E-Y. You know what the difference is? The E-A-Y one is a, a British thing. Now you know, let's go home. <laughs> let's get to the good stuff here, my friends. Question number one. Here you are, the scripture is silent. You have looked for the will of God. Should I do this? Should I buy this? Should I go here? Is it okay? Hmm. What shall I do? Question number one. Will it cause division? In other words, the first, very first question that should come to your mind is, how will this affect my brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ? Well, sure, I have the freedom to do that. But just because you can do something, remember your parents saying that, doesn't mean you should do it. Yes. Will it cause division? Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful to me. And so, my friends, be sure not to quarrel with your siblings. You don't want to cause a division over something. Verse 1, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Now, he's going to introduce this concept of that there are some believers who are weak in their faith and freedom. He says, how should you be a fine issue for them? Take a look with me. He says, how should you respond to this person who is weak in their faith? He says, welcome them, but not to quarrel over opinions. Raise your hand if you got an opinion here. Raise your hand if you got an opinion about raising your hand. You know, everybody's got an opinion. Absolutely. One person, he says, verse 2, believes that he may eat anything. It is food, it is provided by God. If I ate it in thanksgiving, God, I am welcome to do so. I am free in Christ. That's consistent with Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 8. One person says he's free. Hmm. While the weak person eats only vegetables. Well, they have an opinion, right? This is an opinion. And the thing about opinions is it's okay. There's nothing evil about an opinion. I just set the tables up this way. Maybe we shouldn't have tables at all. People have opinions. How should we respond to them? Hmm. Let the one who despises or let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Do you hear that? 
two different opinions. Let not the one who eats, I can eat anything, despise the one who abstains. This guy over here setting all these rules, oh, I can only eat this. Like he's shouting out to everyone else, I'm better than you. You see how those things develop so quickly? Oh, they're different than us. They must be bad. It's not true, my friends. Your brothers and sisters in Christ can have different opinion on things. Growing up, I was born in Detroit and raised in Lansing. Oldsmobile was a gigantic thing. Enormous amount of people in my school, their, their parents were, uh, these companies, buy a foreign car? Never. Well, until a year ago, anyway. We develop these opinions. And sometimes we can't even recall why we have these opinions. You have some of those opinions that your parents had, and you don't know why they had them, and they're silly. You know, why have an opinion if you don't know why? But here Paul is saying, just because someone disagrees with you, you still need to love them. You need to, look, we've already been commanded to love our enemies, my friends. At least we can do is love people who disagree with us. Now, the problem is we don't want to disagree with it by being disagreeable. You know, well, I don't use the ESV. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. It'll be harder on Sunday morning, but hey, guess what? You get to have your preferences. And that is just a truth in the word of God, not about truth. God says that that's going to be a problem. Son of God, you don't get to think, you know, he was really just a nice man. That's going to be a problem. That's not an opinion, my friend. That's a heresy. You've moved outside of, of clear revelation. And so, my friends, don't despise your siblings. And that's what you do when you... Uh, Pass judgment on the one who abstains. So let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. You want to know what God's opinion is on your opinion? Opinions don't matter, my friend. Truth does. And how you respond to it. That's what matters to God. How you respond to someone who is different. Well, that just makes all kinds of sense. Doesn't that even sound like the very heart of the gospel? I mean, Emily wrote out of, read out of the book of Acts. You know, here we have the Jews, and now God's working on the Gentiles. And, oh, they're different than us. They think different. They, they're from a different place. What shall we do? You behind love your neighbor. That's what you ought to do. The underlying issue behind gray areas is this. It provides an opportunity for us to demonstrate our love for God and for one another. And so don't despise your siblings. Don't pass judgment on another's convictions. A conviction is, I believe this is right. To go against that is a very dangerous thing, as we will see. And my friends, whatever you do, don't try to take the place of the Lord. Look at verse 4. Paul says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. 
We have disagreements, my friends, but they must not divide us. They must not. That's why we have so much instruction about one believer going to another believer and talking to them and saying, I see that there's an issue between us. Let's talk about that. God for us, pursuing peace. My friends, this is the will of God for our lives. So whatever might be making you uncomfortable, talk to the Lord about that. You know, two of the most famous Christians in the Victoria era in England were Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker. And both of them, of course, were mighty, mighty preachers of the word of, the God, word of God. And, and early in their ministries, they fellowship, they exchanged pulpit. I would preach in their church. They would come and preach. And, and they had this wonderful, wonderful um, relationship with one another. Then they had a disagreement. They disagreed about something. And the reports even got into the newspapers. What a shame. What a shame. Spurgeon accused Parker of being unspiritual because he attended the theater. How many of you have ever attended the theater? Convictions. Some people believe that someone else is wrong. You get to have your convictions. What you don't get to have is someone else's convictions. You don't get to pass those things out to everyone. You have to believe everything the way I believe it. You don't get to do that, my friends. Again, we're talking about gray areas where the scripture is silent. I'm fairly certain the word theater isn't even in the Bible. But here are these two great men of God who influenced the churches greatly, also shamed the church in this division. Interestingly, though, Spurgeon smoked cigars. Oh, that's naughty. Yeah. So here's a guy whose convictions were different than you. We all have convictions. What we don't have is the freedom to judge someone else. Do you hear me when I say that, friends? It ain't your job. Whose job is it? It's the Lord. Question number two. Question number one was this. Will it call this way? Am I going to hinder the body of Christ because I've determined that I'm going to do it this way? Hmm. Will it honor the Lord? Friends, that sounds like it ought to be the first one. And maybe the two belong together. Notice here in verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another. Oh, no. Saturday is family day. We can't do that. Family day? What's that? No, for, for Saturdays are free time. We can do all kinds of different. Oh, no. Saturdays are meant for work. Different opinions. Different convictions. Hmm. So one person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days the same. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Grayer is. See, we're not Israel. We don't have the Sabbath, where you're not supposed to do any work whatsoever because that's a sin. God wanted the nation of Israel not around making sure they're not doing anything. But he wanted them to rest. 
one day out of the week. Now, of course, the, uh, the nation of Israel decided that these, um, these commands are so important that we should surround them with other commands. You know, you can't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So how about this? No one gets to say the, name's Lord, the, the Lord's name anymore. Well, that's not really what the Bible teaches, is it? But then you start adding that, and then you might say, I will not use the Lord's name at all because I want to be careful that I would not profane the Lord's name. And then you start saying, and you can't, and you can't, and you can't either, and nobody gets to. See how wrong that is? It's wrong to do that. If it's your personal conviction, my friends, keep it personal. Is it okay to have a different conviction? The fact is, the answer is yes. It's okay to think differently on issues. It's okay. The issue, my friends, at heart here is this. What do you do with your convictions? And how do you treat other people with them? Notice here in verse 6, you ought to practice convictions that honor the Lord. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. And the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. And since he gave thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself. Man, we ought to underline that in our Bible. I have mine underlined. <laughs> I want to just encourage you, friends, to let that sink in. None of us lives to himself. Big red flashing lights go off when we consider, I only want it my way. When those kinds of thoughts run through your head, you are off course. Can't honor God. We want to live in a way that honors God. And you can't honor God and hurt his people. Hmm. For if we live to the Lord, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. And so, my friends, will it honor the Lord? It's okay to have different convictions, but you must practice those convictions that honor the Lord in a way that honors the Lord. And finally, let God be the judge, not you. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue himself to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Boy, there's a real powerful truth coming in here, my friends. We are responsible to God. You are responsible to the Lord and not to me. The responsibility I have is a brother who loves his brothers and sisters. But ultimately, my friends, we will all stand before the Lord. 
and God will be the judge, not you. Not what was common in the day, but Lord, everyone was doing it will not suffice as an answer. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Hmm. There's a question. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul writes about it this way. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is about rewards, my friends. If you've trusted Christ, there is no more judgment. But what we're talking about here is rewards. And rewards missed because we simply only thought about ourselves. Question number three, will it harm other people? Will it harm others? And here in verses uh, 13, Paul makes it clear that we ought to never put preferences ahead of people. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. The sign of our times, my friend, is that we love things and use people. It is indeed contrasted by God's instruction that we love people and use things for the glory of God. Love one another. Love one another, my friends. Will it harm others? Never put preferences ahead of people, my friends. Your greatest conviction ought to be, I must love others. My brothers and sisters, those who have sinned, those who oppose me, as Jesus loved those who hated him, so must we. Love your enemies. Never put preferences ahead of people. And look at verse 14 to 18. You must consider how it might impact others. Verse 14, Paul says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Now, the, the Romans, they, they knew in the church in Corinth, there was meat sacrificed to idols. They had idols, and the Christians had nothing to do with those idols. But here's the thing. This meat was waved in front of some, some god, you know, and then they took the meat and they sold it in the marketplace as prime meat. This was offered to so-and-so's idol. Now, some Christians had the conviction Oh, we ought never to buy that meat. But some said, it's just meat. It doesn't matter what somebody did with it. I mean, you don't know what they're doing in the butcher shop with your meat. Maybe they're dancing and singing with your roast beef. I, you know, I don't know. Do you need to know what those people are doing on Saturdays and Thursday nights to buy their product? Paul says, it's just meat. But if it affects your conscience, I had a brother who was caught into this, and I knew the and, and straight to hell. He had rejected God and was worshiping these demons, and, and I could never part. There's a conviction. I'll tell you what, you believe it's just meat. Don't be throwing it under the nose of somebody who struggles. 
You don't throw it under the nose of somebody who struggles. The sign of our times, my friends, we must constantly consider how our actions impact others. It impacts their understanding of the truth. Paul again says, I know and I'm persuaded. There's nothing unclean. Just a tomato. It's just a hamburger. However, but it is. Notice here at the end of verse 14. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. And here's this understanding. Here's a believer who says, I understand these things are clean. That's just, a, oh no, you don't. It's just a watermelon. It's just whatever. But what about the brother who says, oh no, you don't know what's going on in that industry and how they're supporting this, and I could never. Friends, you ought to consider that person and maybe eat your hamburger at home and don't wave it in front of someone else. You don't use your liberty to harm other people. But notice carefully, my friends, what Paul had said. If you think it's unclean, it is. You ought not to go against your conscience, my friend. Look at verse 15. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, why don't they just grow up and think like me? Well, there's a loving spirit, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love by what you eat. You do, not, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And so do not let what you regard as good be spoken as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men, even though they think differently than you. Ultimately, my friends, we must pursue peace and edification. Look at verse 19. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Don't go against your conscience, my friend, your convictions. Conviction says, I believe this is right. It is right for me to practice this and this way. Dangerous. And what the scripture says, to go against your conscience and your convictions is a dangerous place. You begin to set a pattern. Where else, will, what other lines will you begin to cross? Live carefully, my friends. Well, finally, my friends, in verses 22 to 23, we find our last diagnostic question, and it is this. Is it a faith? Is it a faith? What do we mean by that? Take a look. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. 
Now that's a very interesting statement that someone might twist to say we ought not to share the gospel with people. See, it says keep it between us and God. It's not what it's saying here, friends, and you know that. The faith that you have, practice your convictions before God, but don't throw them in the face of someone else. In other words, this, you have a conviction, you live it out before the Lord. Know that you do because you will be held accountable for it. Keep your faith to yourself and to God. And notice, evaluate your choices. But blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. You don't get in this I know it's not right, but I'm going to do it anyway thing. Guard yourselves, my friends. Guard yourselves. And here in verse 23, we learn that acting in doubt is sin. If I don't think I should do this, I shouldn't do this. Who knows that the Spirit of God is not withholding you from something. But verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because he, he, the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We practice convictions of what is true and what is right and what is good. And we live accordingly. But to go against them, my friend, is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Because whatever is not done of faith is sin. Well, let's wrap it up. Here it is in a ball, my friends, something to put a handle on and take home with you. Gray areas are an opportunity for you to demonstrate your love for God and for others. Where the word is silent, God provides an opportunity for you to demonstrate your love for him and your love for others. Practice carefully. And consider others first. Consider others first. Thinking only about ourselves is what has got us into trouble to begin with, my friends. Practice considering other people. How will this, what I am doing, impact someone else? And know this, my friends. You, that's right, you. I'm talking about you and me and everyone else are not qualified to judge others. We are not we don't know the whole, not our, we don't know the context, we don't know the history, we don't know. It is not our place, and we are most certainly not qualified to judge others, so stop it. And notice also, just because someone chooses something different does not make them wrong. A different choice is not specifically a wrong choice. Wrong choices are wrong choices, my friends, but just because it's different, don't make it wrong. Hmm. I hate to admit it, but God uses people who disagree with me. He uses people you disagree with, too. It's a humbling, humbling thought, my friends. Convictions are different. And who knows that God hasn't developed certain convictions for particular purposes, for the glory of God and the good of others. 
And the greatest way to impact this, open your world, start looking out for other people. Look out for other people. Open your eyes and see who's in need around you and step in. That's how you change your world. And all of these principles, all of these things that we've talked about, have everything to do with gray areas and every area of your life. Consider others when you act, how it will impact them. Because my friends, regardless of what you're doing, it is an opportunity to demonstrate your love for God and for others. And you wanna just uh, sum this down into about three words? Love one another. Love is a sacrificial investment in someone else. Say no to you and yes to someone else.